Good morning, Mendocino County. My name is Julie McGovern. I am the host of this public affairs show, which is the Mendocino College Radio Hour. And we bring this show to you the first Tuesday of every month at 9 a.m. Today, my guest is Suzanne Hewitt, Assistant Dean of Health Careers and Director of the Registered Nursing Program at Mendocino College. I'm very excited to have this program today and hear more from Suzanne about what's happening with the RN program, which is such an important component of Mendocino College and our community. But first, I just want to plug a couple upcoming events. Um, the spring plant sale is happening. That's the Mendocino College Agriculture Department and Horticulture Club. The spring plant sale, Friday, April 28th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. And Saturday, April 29th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. There will also be pottery for sale from the ceramics department. The plant sale features heirloom vegetables, hardy perennials, California natives, drought tolerant and hard to find plants, cash or check only and all proceeds go back to the agricultural department that's friday april 28th from 9 a.m to 5 p.m and saturday april 29th from 9 a.m to 3 p.m at mendocino college ukiah campus on 1000 hensley creek road that's always a favorite event. And then on Saturday, May 13th, the foundation will be hosting the return of the gala to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Mendocino College and to raise money for student scholarships. And you can find out more information about that event at foundation.mendocino.edu. We hope to see you there. So welcome, Suzanne Hewitt. Thank you for being here today. Hi, Julie. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm very happy to be here and spread some information about our program. Yes. Well, it's a, it's a much beloved program, but it's a challenging program. There's a lot of moving parts. And so one of the reasons I wanted to have you on was so we could talk through and clarify for listeners, um, you know, what the reality is for the nursing program and what a huge benefit it is for us to have a community college with a nursing program. So tell me a little bit before we get into that, um, Suzanne, tell me a little bit about your background. How long have you been in the community here? Well, I have lived in Mendocino County for 11 years. Henry and I moved up here after living in Dallas, Texas for 23 years and settled in Albion on the coast. But it's a long, hard commute. <laughs> that is. <laughs> so I stay up here during the week um, because, you know, commuting from the coast takes about three hours uh, both ways out of my day every day and right. I just don't have three hours to spend on the road dodging deer and <laughs> and it's not, a, not an easy drive no <laughs> um, so I've been the director of the nursing program at Mendocino for a little over a year okay but you've worked as a nurse in a variety of settings and hospitals um, throughout your career tell me some highlights Oh, gosh, I've been a nurse for over 40 years, and I started out in an associate degree nursing program like the one at Mendocino College. One of the great things about nursing is that as a nurse, you have the ability to work in so many different areas. I've worked um, as a nurse in the ICU, uh, the cardiac cath lab, the ER, poison control, urgent care, hospice, and even as a travel nurse. My longest work experience was as a nurse and nurse practitioner in the ER at Parkland Hospital in Dallas. And Parkland Hospital, if you're not familiar with it, is a almost 1,000-bed county hospital. Oh, that's huge. Yeah, it's enormous. And the ER sees over 700 really sick or really injured people every day. Wow. 
In fact, if you came into the ER and you weren't too sick or weren't too badly injured, they had an urgent care center right down the hall from the <laughs> ER in the hospital. Wow. So, yeah, those were good times. I, I miss Parkland Hospital. I miss the people I worked with, and I, mm-hmm. I really miss the patients there. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like you got, you got covered just about every area that a nurse could possibly cover with all, with all of those that you just listed off, even poison control. <laughs> Yep. What um so what drew you to education and to Mendocino College? Well, several years ago, um I felt that I had reached an age where I started to think about what kind of mark I would make in the world um during my time here on planet Earth <laughs> and what my legacy would be after I was gone. So, I decided to go back to college once again to get my doctorate in nursing practice in hopes that I could affect some sort of positive change in healthcare, either by teaching future healthcare professionals or by becoming politically active in local health issues. Hmm. Okay. um, I came to Mendocino College as a full-time faculty member in January of 2020, and you know what happened right after January of 2020. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Just in time for the pandemic. Wow. So it was good in, timing, Suzanne. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I You're like, I'm going to gonna make it. my mark in the world. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> so not only was I a new instructor with a lot of challenges just being a new instructor, um, but we had to move everything online almost immediately. Um, so I had to learn that real quickly. And then trying to help 24 students, uh, 24 of our second year students complete their clinical rotations when hospitals were not allowing students in was another big challenge. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, it was really rough. But um, Heidi Crane, the assistant director, instead of taking the summer off, spent the summer with me in 2020, and we moved all of our content uh, into an online format so that we could teach our classes online. And that was easy, relatively speaking. But figuring out ways to teach skills to 24 students in the second year and 20 students in the first year, um, when early in the pandemic, I don't know if you remember, but we were restricted to having no more than six students in the classroom at a time. That meant we had to teach the same content and demonstrate the same skills to our students four times. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, And I should also mention at this time that we had tremendous support from our part-time clinical faculty. They all work locally as RNs in in our hospitals in the community, and they made 64 videos for us on nursing skills um, and procedures, yeah, to um, supplement lectures and readings. So it was a lot of work. But our program was one of the few nursing programs in the state of California that didn't either temporarily close, which would delay our students from completing the program, or stop admitting new students. So we graduated our spring of 2020 class right on time, and we're very, very proud of that. That's amazing that that really, I mean, honestly, I can't even imagine to be able to make that pivot and make that all work and have to do all that repetition and then just keep going. I mean, I feel like for spring 2020, most of us just kind of threw up our hands and said, well, I'm staying home. (laughs) No, obviously not essential workers and healthcare is essential. So, I mean, was that part of the motivation that you just knew that this was a critical time and you know you, you can't just throw up your hands and sit home yeah and we just love a challenge too so <laughs> i'd say um 
Okay, so how is it in being in education and, and running an RN program at a community college different or more less challenging, rewarding compared to being a nurse? Well, I'm, I'm still a nurse, and until three months ago, I, I was seeing patients of doing house calls as a nurse practitioner for hospice. Most of our full-time faculty and all of our part-time faculty work as registered nurses outside the college setting. And uh, this helps with our street cred, helps with our <laughs> credibility with our students quite a bit. So teaching is very, uh, is rewarding in a real different way than actual nursing. But if you can help a student become an excellent nurse, then the care that they provide is actually care that you as the instructor are providing by proxy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just amazes me to see the change in our students from when they come in first year and uh, start boot camp, which is a six-week intensive um, program where they're at the college almost every day learning a bunch of skills. Um, Mm. To see the change from that first day to even the first day of the second year, there's a huge change. And Mm. to see them using what they've learned and applying it to patient care, we all get like a little emotional mm-hmm. um, when we see our, our students developing into nurses. So they probably need some kind of hand-holding too because it's an, in, like you're saying, it's an intense program and they're coming into it, you know, and it's a big commitment. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we talk about the importance of, you know, scholarships and things like that to help students because, you know, they're, they're, they're like you said, boot camp. They're kind of immersed, thrown into this world of intense scholarly, clinical study. Right. And and having things like scholarships is so helpful because it may be the difference between a student having to work while they're going to nursing school. And a nursing school is hard. If you know a nurse or a nursing student, you know that they they are very hardworking and probably pretty smart. Mm-hmm. Um so anything that can lessen their their burden and um, a scholarship, if it if it lets them have a little more time to devote to their studies, is could be a game changer for them. Good. So, um, did, did you want to talk any more about the how it's different between being a nurse and being an instructor? Or yeah, so <clears throat> you know, as far as when you're talking about challenges. It's quite challenging to make sure that the students, with all of their different learning styles, um, understand the content, but we also need to help them develop the ability to apply it appropriately. Um, You may not know this, but as of this month, the national licensing exam for RNs has changed. And I'll probably refer to this in the future. It's called the NCLEX. Mm -hmm. That is the licensure exam. It's the same exam for nurses in every state, but each state administers it independently. And that's an exam they're required to take in order to be a registered nurse. Right, to be licensed. So they've had several large studies recently um, that show that entry-level RNs across the country uh, did not have the clinical judgment skills necessary to practice at an optimal level. So now the exam contains scenarios, they call them unfolding scenarios, and questions that test the clinical judgment-making ability of the person taking the test. Um, At Mendocino College in our nursing program, we've been incorporating clinical judgment-building skills throughout the curriculum for many years. And I have to say that we as a team, when compared to many other programs, 
um, we're way ahead of the curve on this because we saw the writing on the wall. We kept informed. We attended seminars and webinars and instituted these changes early on. So we're not rushing to change our curriculum because mm -hmm. suddenly the new NCLEX is here. Oh, good for you. Well, yeah. Way to be on point. Um, <laughs> So if you're just tuning in, um, my name is Julie McGovern. You're listening to the Mendocino College Radio Hour. My guest today is Suzanne Hewitt, who is the Assistant Dean of Health Careers and the Director of the Registered Nursing Program at Mendocino College. So we all know demand is high for nurses, particularly post-COVID with the retirement burnout effect. And one question that comes up a lot is, why can't the college just graduate more nurses? Like, we need more nurses. Give us more nurses. How do you answer that question? So you are correct. That question comes up frequently, <laughs> at least daily. <laughs> that question comes up when I'm laying in my bed at night. <laughs> but um, and most people don't have a have um, a full understanding of what it takes to graduate more nurses. So my answer to this question will be kind of long. Okay. Uh, first and foremost, Mendocino and Lake Counties are considered rural areas with regards to health care. These counties are also designated as medically underserved areas. And rural nursing programs across the state of California are all struggling with three critical challenges to growth. And those three critical challenges are space, faculty, and clinical placements. So space is the easy part. Space is at a premium at the college, but you know what? That's not the big issue because we can always squeeze a few more students mm -hmm. in here and there. Mm -hmm. The second challenge is nursing faculty shortages. And this is a huge problem, not only in California, but across the country. In fact, another RN program in Northern California at College of the Siskiyous was forced to close their RN program last year because they couldn't find faculty. Wow. Yeah, and I'm not sure if too many people are aware, but this program came perilously close to being shut down by the BRN, Board of Registered Nursing, a few years ago due to lack of faculty. Mm. Um, so the Board of Registered Nursing um, uh, has the capability to come and do that, come mm -hmm. examine your program, and if you don't have faculty, they can put you on probation or even close you down. So it's a well-known fact that RNs can make a higher hourly wage as a bedside nurse compared to full-time uh, nursing faculty. So they're taking a pay cut, basically, to teach. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are other benefits that come with sure. being faculty. But, but if you just like look at the bottom line, right. that's part of the, the challenge, is most people wouldn't opt to take a, a pay cut. Right. And most nurses look at the bottom line. <laughs> they look at the bottom line first. Right. Well, they're human beings. Right. <laughs> So um, we are currently fully staffed for the first time in many, many years, and we are the envy of the great majority of nursing programs in California. We have a director, that's me. We have two full-time first-year instructors, uh, Lisa, um, I'm sorry, Heidi Crane and Deborah Summit. We have two full-time second-year instructors, Lisa Leonard and Hope Maroney. And then we have an amazing program support technician, Nayeli. Hi, Nayeli. <laughs> you know she's listening. <laughs> I know she is. <laughs> and she makes all of our lives easier. So we are, our, our department is definitely an exception to the rule in terms of being fully staffed. And the funny thing is we all work really well together, so... That's wonderful. Yeah, as a director, it's like a dream. Oh, good. 
Hopefully it stays that way for a while. I think so. <laughs> That's the plan. <laughs> and then the third challenge to this and to other rural nursing programs has to do with clinical spots. Um, and this is the biggest cha- challenge to us expanding our program. Hmm. There are five hospitals in Mendocino and Lake Counties. Four of these hospitals are 25-bed critical access hospitals. And the fifth hospital um, in Ukiah has 50 beds. So, I mean, you can compare that to Parkland. It has nine, 979 yeah. beds. But, but locally, you can compare it to Santa Rosa Memorial Hospital at 338 beds. That's more than twice the number of all the beds in Mendocino and Lake County combined. Wow. So that's a problem because the hospitals is where you need for clinical sites, for the hands-on learning part of the nursing program. So exactly. you're kind of handicapped in a rural area where you have that many fewer beds because it's that many fewer spots. Right. And then and Santa Rosa has two other hospitals, a Kaiser and a Sutter Hospital. Wow. So, okay. I, you know, I just wanted to mention because I know there are community members listening, that rural hospitals across the country are closing or in danger of closing because of insolvency. Um, In December, Madera Community Hospital, a 106-bed hospital in Central California, closed because of bankruptcy. Madera College has a nursing program. Oh, wow. For now. That's a problem. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be in their shoes. Several years ago, or I guess it actually was in 2019, when Mendocino Coast Hospital was in danger of closing, I marched in downtown Fort Bragg with a sandwich board, along with several other healthcare providers carrying signs, um, being heckled, <laughs> attending town hall meetings, and speaking with my friends and neighbors on the importance of voting yes on Measure C for affiliation with Adventist Health. And that affiliation is probably the only reason that hospital is still open and is there for me and other people on the coast when I need care. And I have used their services, and I still do um, regularly, and uh, it's been a great affiliation, and I've always gotten excellent excellent care there well good well thank you for doing your part to advocate for the hospital staying open i'm sure everyone listening who's on the coast appreciates that yeah so nursing students um to get back to that third factor clinical placements nursing students are required by the california board of registered nursing the brn to have a minimum of 500 hours in direct patient care Included in those hours are what we call specialty hours in pediatric nursing, obstetrical nursing, and psychiatric or mental health nursing. We in Mendocino and Lake Counties have no inpatient pediatric or psychiatric beds, so our students need to go to Sonoma County for these experiences. They go to um, Santa Rosa Memorial Hospital for pediatric experience and Santa Rosa Behavioral health hospital for their psychiatric or mental and mental health ex, um, nursing experience. So that's adding, you know, a, an extra commute too, because even if you, if you live in, let's just say Ukiah, you're driving an hour back and forth, so two hours added to your shift, right. which could be a long shift. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, no, I just did that yesterday. I met with the directors of the nursing programs at Santa Rosa Junior, Hus- um, Junior College, Sonoma State, and um, College of Marin. And it was funny because my issues are their issues. We all we all mm-hmm. have similar issues. Mm-hmm. It sounds like, yeah, it sounds like it. Although they might not have as many issues with the placements since they have a lot more hospital beds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. They still have problems with 
um, pediatric placement. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a hard one. So the biggest problem we're having right now with regards to clinical rotations is what is known as the preceptorship. Each of the nursing students in their fourth and final semester of the program, they are paired with an RN at one of the hospitals for an intensive 132-hour internship, or what we call preceptorship. So it's a struggle to find preceptors for our 24 students each spring. Each one has to have one, so you need yes. 24 people to, 24 ner people. working nurses to sign on. Okay, got right, it. Right, right. Um, so part of this, um, uh, part of the issue is due to the fact that hospitals, including our hospitals, are experiencing nursing shortages and RNs that may have served in the preceptors in the past are now orienting new hospital employees so they're not available to mm. precept our students. Okay. Yeah. And we require preceptors to have at least one year's experience as an RN before they can precept. So That none, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. None of the new employees have the experience required to precept a student. And you have to trust me that the first your first year as a nurse is a real adjustment period for any new RN. I don't care mm -hmm. how smart you are, what, mm -hmm. how good your grades were. <laughs> you need that time to develop yourself right. um, experientially and to get a handle on this new role. Yeah, that, that sounds important. So just this semester, we had to double up for the first time with a preceptor. One of the hospital nurses spent... 132 hours with one student and then when she was done she spent is now spending 132 more hours with a second student wow thank goodness for that person yeah and interestingly she's a traveler traveling nurse huh. um, so we are also allowing students to be precepted by traveling nurses which was unheard of in the past um, I think traveling nurses are um, are wonderful because they bring uh, a variety of experiences when mm -hmm. they come to us locally. But, you know, there are, there are problems. You want your own staff. You don't want to have to depend on travelers. Mm -hmm. So um, precepting is hard work. Being a preceptor is very hard work. I've done it. It's a real commitment because not only are you taking a full patient load, but you are also taking time to work with a novice when you know you could work faster on your own mm -hmm. and, and not you know have to right. watch them closely and double check everything. So we owe a great debt to the nurses in our community hospitals who precept our students. Thank and, you, preceptors. Yeah, thank you, <laughs> thank, thank you. you. It, none of it would be possible. It's not even really, like thank you doesn't seem like enough. It's not, yeah. You yeah. need to be getting them lunch and massages every day. <laughs> yeah, massages. <laughs> so long story short, nursing shortages in the hospitals make fewer nurses available to act as preceptors, which limits our ability to place students in preceptorships and um, leads to an inability to grow the program. Hospitals everywhere, not just locally, really need to focus on recruitment and retention of nursing staff and making their facilities a preferred place of employment. Um, the community needs to support essential workers like nurses by having affordable and safe housing choices, among other things, and keeping local hospitals solvent. So I have a nice story for you. Oh, good. I love nice stories. <laughs> Let's hear it. We had a student from uh, Sonoma County attending college in Mendoc at Mendocino College, and she was doing some clinical shifts at the Coast mm -hmm. Hospital. And that's 117 miles one way. Wow. And if you have to be to Fort Bragg at 630 in the morning, 
you probably need to leave. Oh, man. Santa Rosa at 6 about four o'clock, which means you probably have to get up at three o'clock, which means you need to go to bed the night before, or you should, <laughs> at seven o'clock. And when do you study? So, so anyway, she made the long um, commute to the coast, and she felt that she was so welcomed and supported by the staff that she's considering relocating to the coast just so that she can work. Oh, that's um, wonderful. And live on the coast. Yeah. And that's powerful. And that's, that's what we need to do. We really need, you know, to support our students and make them want to come work in our hospitals. Okay. Locally. So someone who's listening on the coast who has a rental, save it for, <laughs> for her right? because she's going to need housing. That's right. <laughs> Okay, so that does a lot of challenges. And I mean, it helps me understand why it's not so simple when people say like, why can't you just put out more nurses? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a, a, a moving puzzle and all the pieces kind of have to align. And so it sounds like you guys are doing the best you can, but some of it's out of your, con out of your control. A lot of it's out of your control. Um, another question that um, comes up a lot when, or not a lot, but frequently is, um, the application process, you know, people will mention that they've um, have a coworker who applied and didn't get in and how come everybody can't get in. So tell me, talk about the application process to help listeners understand, you know, how that works, because you get way more applicants than you can possibly accept. Yes, you're you're correct on that. We we do get a lot of applicants for not too many spots. It's also because the program's so great, right? So people want to... <laughs> they want to come here, I know. We have people come to our workshops and they're like, we applied to a bunch of other schools, but we like yours the best. Oh, <laughs> that must make nice. you feel good to hear that. In a way. <laughs> so, um, let me give you first a little bit of background. Every fall, we admit 20 students into the two-year, four-semester, after prerequisites, RN program. Each spring, we add... Four more students, and these students are already LVNs, and they come in to our LVN to RN bridge program. That means we graduate 24 RNs each May, and at any given time, we have 44 to 48 students enrolled in, in the program. The Board of Registered Nursing, the BRN, has approved this program for this number of students. Um, our small size is is good in many ways because it allows us to really support our students through nursing school. Mm -hmm. um, the nurse, the nursing program at Mendocino College consistently has one of the highest NCLEX. Remember, that's the licensing right. exam mm -hmm. uh, pass rates in the state. And we have an extremely low attrition rate. 96% of students who start our program complete it. Wow. That's yeah, that's really and the, good. The overall completion rate for RN programs um, nationally is about 73%. So we're at 96%. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's nice because we can, you know, we get to know our students. If we see someone starting to struggle, we can say, hey, you know, what's going on? Is there mm -hmm. something we can do to help? Mm -hmm. And the college has a lot of resources available to our students and, and all students at the college. Mm -hmm. That's so important. Yeah, there's like a learning resource center. You know, we can help. We had one student whose laptop 
stopped working and we had a new laptop for her that afternoon that you know she was able to check out from the library and use for the remainder of the program that's so important to have those resources because those are the things that can derail someone you know so obviously you're doing a great job if 96 percent of those who start the program complete it yes so right now we're in the middle of um, reviewing applications we received 189 applications oh my word. for 20 spots of those 189 applications, we will eliminate up to 10% because either their application was incomplete, they hadn't finished their prerequisites, or they didn't have the required prerequisites. And then another 15 or so of these applications will be rejected because the GPA is not high enough. Okay. So um, the Men Mendocino College nursing program uses the California Community College Chancellor's composite score it's a mouthful <laughs> to determine eligibility for admissions and all qualified students that apply to the program will be entered into a lottery and those that are selected will receive conditional admission pending completion of all their admissions requirement and achieving a 62 percent or greater on the T's test that is the test of essential academic skills and okay. that's not an easy test okay so I so there's a lot of things to accomplish even before you can officially enroll oh yeah about like two years of prerequisites and uh, yeah a lot okay it's a lot so um, our numbers are not unlike the numbers um, with the the directors I met with yesterday for example um, Sonoma State which is a four-year bachelor's program they said oh, our applications are down we got 30, 300 applications for 24 spots. We usually have 500. So, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And then Santa Rosa Junior College has um, had 492 um, applications, but they only about two-thirds of them will qualify, according to their director. Um, they do have a larger program. They have um, 120 spots. So your chances probably of... Um, Getting in through the lottery at Santa Rosa Junior College are probably a little bit higher than ours. We do encourage students that want to get into a nursing program to as, apply to as many programs as you can, just because it's so hard to get get into them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So after you know, after you know, people are eliminated for whatever reason, we'll probably end up with more like 145 applicants for 20 spots, which is about what we had last year. Mm -hmm. And like I said, this is about average or better for a program of this size. I think in the future, these numbers are going to get better because we are still feeling the impact from COVID and, you know, the increased numbers of nursing program applicants um, that could not be absorbed into programs that, that temporarily closed or decreased their number of admissions over mm. the past um well, really during the first nine to 12 months of the pandemic. So there's a, there's a large, there was a large number of nursing students out there trying to get into nursing school that would have been able to get in over the past few mm -hmm. years. So I think our numbers are going to get better. Okay. Yeah. Um, so just to reintroduce 
you, Suzanne. Um, you are listening to the Mendocino College Radio Hour. I am your host, Julie McGovern. I'm the Executive Director of the Mendocino College Foundation. My guest today is Suzanne Hewitt, who's the Assistant Dean of Health Careers and the Director of the Registered Nursing Program at Mendocino College. And we were talking about all things nursing. We were just talking about the application process and and kind of how that um, all works. Did you have anything you wanted to add about that before we move on? Oh, uh- well, I think I had just gotten started on the lottery process. So we oh, okay. any a program that has more applicants than they have spots goes to a lottery uh, system. And that is a chancellor's office um, decision. So is it the best way to select students? I'm not sure. Currently, I'm looking at several options. Um, but because, you know, uh, California community colleges are under the chancellor's office jurisdiction, we don't really have free reign here. Mm-hmm. There are constraints that limit exactly what a program or its director can do with admissions criteria. And it's very tricky. It requires, you know, meticulous research because you don't want to adopt a process that excludes the very type of student that you want to attract. Mm-hmm. So. And the chancellor's office, for anyone listening, is sort of like the state governing body of the California community college system, right? I mean, they're like where the decisions come from. So you can't buck that system. Correct. So I am looking at some options and and considering making some some improvements in in the process. Um, I've only been in this position for a year, so nothing happens overnight. <laughs> right. um, but uh, yeah, I'm working on, on several ideas that I think are great. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're great. <laughs> Ultimately, my, my goal is to work with our clinical partners in the hospitals, you know, to train, recruit, and retain nurses for our local community. It would be great to create a pipeline for local students um, to follow a career in healthcare without having that progression derailed by the lottery system. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm working with other directors and healthcare advocates to examine what we are currently doing, what's been done in the past, and what we can do in the future. Mm-hmm. This, this is this is what keeps me up at night <laughs> and wakes me up at night. Well, it's, it's obviously it shows that you're you're dedicated to this. You know, you're really working hard to try to find solutions um, to the issues and to try to, you know, just keep pumping out quality nurses that our community needs. And there should should be some acknowledgement of the support that we get from some of our local hospitals like Adventist Health Mm -hmm. and Sutter because um, when I took over at the foundation, I did some research into the partnerships that we have with them and found out that when the nursing program first started at Mendocino College, they actually graduated a class every other year. So they didn't have the staffing, the funding to to have the many, like you say you're fully staffed right now with with, faculty both full-time and part-time and they didn't have enough so they were doing a class that every two years would turn over so they would do their two years another class would start and with help from Adventist Health and Sutter Health we were able to fund an additional faculty position and that still exists to this day and so that assistance really has made a difference in being able to graduate nurses every year so think about how fewer nurses would have been graduating from the Mendocino College nursing program had that assistance not been there. Right. Yeah, we owe them a huge debt. And um, they have supported us in so many ways, Adventist and then 
Well, all of the hospitals in Mendocino County are ad- Adventist, and then in Lake County, there's Adventist in Clear Lake, and then Sutter in um, Lakeport, and all the hospitals have have made every effort to support us, not only financially, but you know, with personnel, adjunct faculty. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a it's. It's to wonderful have, to ha- to have that support. We have to work together, you know, for this to work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but if you look back retrospectively to the program's inception um, in the early two thousands, there have been three hundred and eighty nine graduates um, up to date, and of three hundred and eighty nine, three hundred and thirty seven of them um, sought employment in Lake and Mendocino counties, which is nearly eighty seven percent. So that's that's good. That is good because that's what we want is we want the local nursing students who are local to these communities to stay and work in these communities. So mm-hmm. it's it's good to see that that's happening. I know it's not 100%, but you know, right. people are going to make decisions to do, right. do what they're going to do. So, you know, clearly the college is proving a, a pretty crucial local resource for hospitals and clinics. Um because of that kind of crucial aspect of nurses to community health, there tends to be overwhelming support for the program. And so I just wanted to mention a couple of ways that the program is supported. Um, for the foundation, um, I think back in 2007 was the first year, began a campaign to try to raise funds for to cover the NCLEX exam fees, those licensing exams you talked about. So that's the exam they have to take after their two years, where most of them have been working, I mean, going to school full time, not working or working very little, you know, leaning heavily on family. You know, a lot of these students have children or maybe caring for older parents or have you know, spouses that are now working double, double time. So it, it, it is a challenge. And so one way that we can say, hey, you've worked this, this hard for this long and we want to support you, we fundraise um, to pay those $350 exam fees for each of the nurses. And that also is strategic because the sooner they take the test after completing the schooling, the better they do. So what's the the pass rate we have? The pass rate is like 95% for our program. Yes, the, for, for the first time. Yeah, um, which is super high. Yeah, every once in a while we have someone that, that doesn't pass the first time and takes it the second time. But since I've been there, ultimately everybody has passed the NCLEX. That's great. And they're all working. So anyone who's listening who wants to support that NCLEX campaign can find out more information at foundation.mendocino.edu. Um, and then there's also underneath the foundation umbrella an affiliate group, the Friends of the Mendocino College Nursing Program. And that's just another way for um, interested parties. You know, there are a lot of healthcare professionals that are part of that group and support for students. Um, one of the ways we, we touched on before that's so crucial is like scholarships and just kind of wraparound support so those students can really focus on their work because ultimately we're all going to be patients, right? <laughs> We want these nurses to be focusing on their school and not having to work because I don't want to distract a nurse, <laughs> you know? No. So it kind of makes sense. Um, anything that you would like to add about the um, either the Friends of the Mendocino College Nursing Program or any other support there? We also have to talk about the fact that there are some other healthcare pathways at Mendocino College. Yes, yes. So registered nursing is obviously a big one, 
but you oversee others as the assistant dean of health careers. Uh, did you want to touch on that? Sure, sure. And I just wanted to say that when um, our students receive that gift from the foundation, which is supposed to be a surprise, but I guess it's not. <laughs> Shh, don't, don't tell them. pinning ceremony. <laughs> that they are so grateful and it's just it's wonderful so that is that is like a highlight of the spring for sure is that ceremony and being able to well sorry if i just ruined it for but you know what they're all too busy studying and precepting and doing that right now they're not listening to my radio show (laughs) so um yeah, as the um, Assistant Dean of Health Careers, there, there is another program I oversee, and that is the PTA program. PTA doesn't stand for Parent Teachers Association. <laughs> it stands for Physical Therapy Assistant Program. And physical therapy assistants are um, uh, very well-educated and trained people who provide physical therapy under the direction as, of a physical therapist. So... Physical therapist, that is now um, a doctoral degree, at least a master's and a doctor, usually a doctoral degree. So the PTA program, the Physical Therapy Assistant Program, is a two-year associate degree um, program, like the nursing program. And when these students graduate, they become licensed, similar to nurses, and they can work with their license anywhere in the country if they pay a small fee to the state they want to move to. Why would anyone want to move from California? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but they can work in hospitals. They can work in private practice, outpatient physical therapy clinics. They can do in-home health. They can work in nursing nursing homes or even, you know, in schools. Okay. So a lot of similarities with nursing. Mm-hmm. And the physical therapy assistant program, I mean, just in my experience as a patient doing physical therapy, that's mostly who I interacted with. I mean, I had a, a like a introduction appointment with the actual physical therapist and then a couple of touch points over the 12 weeks. But for the most part, my two appointments a week were with the PTAs. So right. the ability to be, you know, putting more PTAs in the pipeline. I mean, everyone's familiar with sometimes you call to get a physical therapy appointment and it's, you know, two, three months before, you know, which it doesn't help if you have an injury that you need physical therapy right away. So that really helps alleviate the pressure in the system. Right. If, If you have to wait two or three months, you know, you could be losing function, you could be having atrophy or muscle wasting. And, um, so, so the addition of, of the PTAs has been tremendous. Yeah, that's great. That's wonderful. And the college also has EMT and paramedic programs at Mendocino College. Ukiah Adult School has the LVN, or Licensed Vocational Nurse Program. And I think I mentioned before that every spring we do accept some LVNs into the program. So if we start in if we start in the fall and we have 20 new RN students, and for whatever reason one has to drop out, we will in- admit five LVNs instead of four LVNs so that we always okay. try to graduate 24 to students. Number. Yeah. So those numbers are a little fluid. Um, but yeah, we, we have the LVN to RN bridge program and LVN training is available at the Ukiah Adult School. There's also certified nursing assistant and medical assistant training at the um, Lake County Office of Education. And if you don't know, CNA stands for Certified Nursing Assistant. It's a much shorter program. 
easier than nursing school, but these students learn a lot of the skills and they are really an important part of the healthcare team. I can't say enough if you have a good CNA. A good CNA is worth his or her weight in gold. Mm -hmm. They are such an essential member of the healthcare team. Okay. And a lot of our students um, were, are CNAs at the time they apply. Oh, okay. Yeah. Medical assistants um, have a little more training, like actually quite a bit more training. I think it's 18 months. And these are people that you frequently encounter if you go to see your primary care provider and someone may draw your blood or give uh, an injection. These are probably medical assistants. They okay. were um, heavily used in the clinics. Mm -hmm. And then Mendocino County Office of Education offers medical assistant training phlebotomy training. Mm -hmm. Phlebotomy is the people from the lab that come and draw your blood when mm -hmm. you're in the hospital. They're and also, you want them to be well-trained. You certainly do. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, phlebotomists also make house calls and, really? and go out and draw blood in the homes. And, mm -hmm. That makes sense, I guess. Yeah. And there's also a dental assistant training available at Mendocino County of, uh, Office of Education. And then if you go outside of Mendocino and Lake Counties, there are additional healthcare training um, programs for radiology techs. These are the people that take your x-ray, um, ultrasound techs, people that come do your ultrasound, mm -hmm. uh, pharmacy techs, psychiatric techs, OR techs or surgical techs, and then... Um, Biomed repair. These are the folks that come in. Your your medical equipment's not working. Your IV mm. pump's not working. They'll come out and switch you out with a new one and fix mm. the old one. And I feel like the IT of the healthcare world. Yeah, they're so important. They're so important, and there just aren't enough of them. So biomed repair. Yeah, and good field to go into. You'll find a job <laughs> like right right away. Right away. <laughs> yeah. You know, I tell young people that are interested in healthcare to get a foot in the door first, whether it's as a CNA um, or any other entry level position at an organization that offers tuition reimbursement. See if you can get help with your education costs. If you're working as a CNA, you're going to learn a lot that's going to help you in nursing school. Your um, organization may offer tuition reimbursement to help you with nursing school. And um, another great thing, I when I started, I worked as a unit clerk, which is like a the person that sits at the desk in the mm -hmm. middle of the nursing unit. And, <laughs> and it was a teaching hospital. So similar to a CNA, it was kind of entry level, but I got a lot of help from the nurses and the mm -hmm. medical residents and interns, mm -hmm. medical students with homework and explaining things. So if you get in your foot in the door, whether it's as a CNA or a registration person, you know, it's nice because you're in that environment, You'll your learning begins even there. And then, you know, as a bonus, you may get some help with your tuition reimbursement. Well, that's great. That makes sense institutionally, why mm -hmm. you would, you know, support people, bring keeping them in the fold and working, but then getting them up, leveling up, you know, in terms sure. of their training. And, you know, and even if you think you're interested in nursing, you may get in there and and see a few ultrasounds and think, oh, I want to do that. Mm. I want to look at the babies and the bellies. <laughs> and yeah, you never know what your passion, where it may lead. Right. Um, so I just want to reintroduce you one more time in case you're just joining us. This is the Mendocino College Radio Hour. I'm your host, Julie McGovern, Executive Director of the Mendocino College Foundation. My guest today is Suzanne Hewitt, who is the Assistant Dean of Health Careers and the Director of the Registered Nursing Program at Mendocino College. 
So I like to ask people, we only have about 10 minutes left. I like to ask people kind of some questions, some more kind of fun questions. We've covered a lot of serious topics, but what do you like about your job? Well, I think the best thing and the only thing that keeps me from running down the street, pulling out my hair is a (laughs) great team that I work with every day. I can't tell you how important that is. Our students see that we work well together. Um, We are very student-centered, and we certainly want the best for our students and our community um, and the community members they'll be caring for. And besides, I work with a bunch of nurses. They're a lot of fun to hang out with. <laughs> they have the best stories. <laughs> my my mother was a nurse. Oh, I met your mother. Yes. I remember she actually had a similar trajectory. I mean, she was a nurse and then she went back to school when I was, I think, in second grade, ended up getting her doctorate and became a professor of nursing. So <gasps> I've always had a soft spot for nurses in addition to the fact that, you know, they're important. But um well, that's great that your team is so cohesive and, and you that that's great modeling probably for the students of, you know, working together and supporting one another. <clears throat> what are the, what are like the, well, we've talked a lot about challenges, but, you know, if I were to say challenges, rewards, you know, what comes to mind? I think, you know, meeting the needs of the community is both the biggest challenge and the biggest reward. Mm-hmm. Um, so all those challenges aside, Every May when we graduate 24 new RNs, this, we all feel so rewarded. Mm-hmm. And um, and seeing the college faculty and the staff and the community partners come together at our pinning ceremony is really uplifting. Mm. And um, every time we graduate a group, I'm like, I'm going to miss them when Aww. they're gone. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Well, it is. It's. I could tell that from last year was my first year going to the pinning ceremony, and it was emotional. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like the families of the students were emotional, the students were emotional, the faculty. I mean, I got emotional, but that's not hard. I get emotional <laughs> easily, but um, it's really amazing. So how do you see the role of Mendocino College in our communities? Well, I, I would really like to see the nursing program continue. Um to train new nurses and when things stabilize in the nursing community, perhaps mm-hmm. more nurses um, and nurses who will stay in this community upon graduation or if they're from outside the community, uh, nurses that will choose to come here to work as, mm. as, a, as a great place to be employed, one mm. of our hospitals. Yeah. I'd love to see that. And what about favorite student stories? You got any, any good stories you want to share? I probably have a story for every student <laughs> that, that I've known and every faculty member. Well, you guys that. get to know each other so well. <laughs> we do. So they just blossom in front of your your eyes, and it's amazing. So one student, um, on the first day of classes in boot camp, we go around and int- introduce ourselves and, and talk about what our history is, where we've worked. Mm-hmm. And um, she came to me afterwards and said she felt kind of isolated because all of her classmates had some sort of healthcare um, experience in their past. Either they were an EMT mm. or a phlebotomist or a CNA, or we somehow we get a lot of vet techs, like veterinary techs. Okay. And they do well. <laughs> we have to remind them not to scratch the patients behind the ears. And- <laughs> 
<laughs> Who's a good boy? I don't know. Maybe some patients would like that. <laughs> maybe. But anyway, so she said she felt a little different. And I said, well, what did you, what, you know, you said that you worked in the hospitality service. She goes, yeah, I'm a waitress. And I said, well, guess what? I was a waitress when I started nursing school, too. Oh, wow. What a coincidence. And we are really good at communicating with people, frequently unhappy people, this unsatisfied is true. people. I've been there. We're good at problem solving, prioritizing, and diffusing potentially volatile situations. And so, you know, I told her I'd rather have somebody with those skills than somebody who worked in healthcare but had zero people skills. Mm, mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, she ended up being a great student and is working uh, as a nurse. And I'm sure she's Yay. just nailing it. So the take home point here is that everybody, no matter what your experience, you have something to bring to the table, mm-hmm. something that's going to help you um, be a better nurse. Mm. And, you know, our students also educate us. So if, if a student has worked, you know, maybe as a, a medical assistant or a CNA in a dialysis center, they're going to know a lot more about um, current best practices in dialysis than I do. So mm-hmm. that student would like educate us. Mm-hmm. So and share that with the with the group. Yeah. So if you want to be an, an effective educator, you really need to check your ego at the door and mm. realize that um, the students have have a lot to bring to us. Stay humble. Yes. Um, yeah. So um, we have a few minutes left, and I I just want to um, emphasize that these students who are graduating in May are in the final stretch of a pretty grueling two-year program. As much as they're supported, it's still a grueling program, and they're about to cross that finish line and be ready to go into the workforce and be nurses, which, I mean, I just don't think we can emphasize how important that is for our community health. I mean, you, you know, I think about this sometimes when I think about all the programs. I love, you know, I've have, have had auto tech, I've had ag, I've had um, financial aid. I mean, all kinds of, you know, whether it's from faculty to student support services at Mendocino College. And the, the, the fact remains that, you know, it's great. It's amazing that we have such a great auto tech program. And if you have a car breakdown, you need an auto tech. But maybe not everybody has a car, but everybody has a body, right? Mm-hmm. And at, at some point, your body is going to need treatment for something, you know, whether it's childbirth or, you know, wh- whatever it is. I mean, we, you'd be a blessed person to go through life and never have to go to the doctor or see a nurse. So, <laughs> so we all can recognize, you know, just how important this program is and, and how much support it gets, but how much support it still needs. And we, you know, so things like the NCLEX campaign where you, you can help support students by donating to, to pay their fees or, you know, donating to scholarships or, or coming to the gala on May 13th and supporting, you know, nursing students are going to be supported by that event, just like every other Mendocino College student. Um, so I just want to say thank you to you, Suzanne, for everything that you do, because I can tell from interacting with you that you take this very seriously. You, you bring so much experience, you bring a wealth of knowledge and you bring a sense of humor and a real sense of uh, empathy and humanity that I think the students can sense. And I think it's probably one of the reasons why the program is so successful. I know you've only been in charge of it for a year, <laughs> but you've been there for, you know, since 2020, you, um, the work that you all did to keep the program going through COVID was nothing short of amazing. And I just think you guys deserve all the accolades in the world. 
Well, thank you so much. And thank you for having me. And, um, you know, none of this would be possible without the support of our clinical partners at um, Adventist and Sutter and to the wonderful nurses in our hospitals mm. and to our preceptors. We love you. Oh, gosh. After, <laughs> especially after hearing everything that you've talked about today, I seriously want to just like go buy them all coffee. And, yeah. you know, I wasn't kidding when I said get them a massage and buy them. Like, I feel like they should just be spoiled because taking that on, I mean, there there's no direct benefit right all it is is kind of adding to your workload but for the people who step up and and do that for students i mean it's just it's essential you know you can't you can't have somebody just go out and become a nurse without having had that hands-on training as much as you accomplish just within the program academically you know that clinical hands-on guidance from those preceptors is just you know, it's, it's essential. So we're just so thankful for them. Thank you if you're listening and you're a preceptor <laughs> or if you're considering doing it, do it. <laughs> um, one more time, I'd like to um, pl- uh, plug the plant sale. Uh, the Mendocino College college agriculture department and horticulture club has their spring plant sale a very popular event it's happening at the end of this month friday april 28th from 9 a.m to 5 p.m and saturday april 29th from 9 a.m to 3 p.m and this is at mendocino college's ukiah campus there'll be um, cash or check only and all proceeds go back to the agriculture department so um, do check out the plant sale go to foundation.mendocino.edu if you'd like more information about the gala or our friends of the mendocino college nursing program if you'd like to show your support you can um, go to do that on that page and thank you so much for listening and thank you suzanne for for being here and for doing what you do this has been a production of mendocino county public broadcasting kzyx philo 90.7 fm kzyz willits and ukiah 91.5 fm and fort bragg at 88.1 fm you can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner thank you for listening